0: What's going on, everyone? Mike back with another episode of Hobby Talk. Today, very excited to talk to Matt from Virginia. Longtime card collector, collects sets, collects with his father, old school collector, fellow Phillies fan, so that's definitely a positive note right there. Matt, how you doing today? What is going on, my friend? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm excited to chat with you about everything I just mentioned Love someone else who has a passion for cards and is on YouTube. You do have a YouTube channel, Passion for Cards. We can chat about that a little later. But before we get into the Phillies, before we get into building sets, right off the bat, we got to, uh, I think, talk a little bit about an addition that was recently made to your collection <laughs> i'm not so sure you'll ever have a bigger addition to your collection will you
1: absolutely not and uh, obviously ever, a lot of people have seen the the video I, I made it my epic video number 100 and that was the addition of the the 1952 tops 311
0: pretty uh pretty epic pickup wasn't it
1: yeah it really was and you know it's it's been a long a long time in the making and And, uh, you know, if you watch the video, you'll learn a little bit about it, but you know, my, just to kind of give you a little background, you know, my, my father has been a Yankees fan since he was a kid and he's 76 now. So in 1952, he would have been 11, which was right in the height of, you know, kids collecting cards and Probably 15 years ago or so, we kind of started talking about it, and I would show him pictures of the 52-mantle card, and I can just tell by the look in his face and the look in his eye that when he was a kid, he had some of those cards. You you just kind of get a feeling that there was no doubt about the fact that he had some, obviously being a Yankees fan and and being of that age. So we talked for a long time about wanting to add it and and, uh, was finally able to do so.
0: And the key part, he used to have it. (laughs) <laughs> and I feel like that's a, a very common story. A lot of people, they look back and they're like, man, I used to have that. What happened to it? Oftentimes the story is or the blame goes to the mother taking the shoebox and throwing it away when they're out of the house. Or sometimes it was like off at war or something. They come back and their cards are all, oh, I tossed them.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, he's actually pretty honest about it. You know, he says when he was he was that age and, and had the cards, obviously, he did a couple of things. He used to trade to get the Yankees which kind of furthered my my belief that he probably did have it but B and more importantly he said they used to you know play with them as cards you know which is I guess though you know their original design they used to um, throw them against walls flip them for front and back and they used to put them in you know their bikes to make them sound like motorcycles and so he said he knows he actually physically you should just play with his and they probably got to the point where they were you know, so worn out from from being handled, they probably just got you know legitimately thrown away.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing about vintage, and that's why vintage is obviously so expensive in many cases. You know, it's it's not really that they were short printed; they were they made plenty of them. It's just that they were well loved, they were played with, like you said, because my dad tells me stories about how they used to flip them. You know, same thing, toss them against the wall, all sorts of things, trade them off. Of course, everyone would value their favorite team, their favorite players the most. So oh, in the Philadelphia yeah. area, they'd value the Phillies above even the Yankees like Mickey Mantle. Not that Mantle wasn't always, you know, one of the, if not the most popular non-local team player for sure. But all these cards were just beat up over the years and kind of just uh, enjoyed, which is definitely a good thing. But. That nostalgic factor is something that I think has kept Cards so popular. And I think Mickey Mantle, specifically being just such a fan favorite of so many people, you still have a lot of people who grew up watching them and following them, listening to the games, him being their favorite player, and they've passed that on to so many other generations. So I think that right there goes to show you why that Mickey Mantle is so iconic and so just beloved by people in the hobby, and now just an epic uh, cornerstone of any collection, and pretty pricey. Cost you at least a arm and a half a leg?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, a, that's the old school coming out in my pops when he says, well, I, mean, I hope it didn't cost you an arm and a leg. So, you know, just kind of a brief um, history of that. And you know, I was in the early 2000s, to buy some property here in Virginia that I lived in for quite some time, and and I was able to sell and, and make a a nice little piece of change off of it. So the first thing I wanted to do, and and uh, my, it was actually my wife's kind of her ideas too. You know, she's been on board the whole time. She never never hesitated when when I kind of told her the ideas that you know as soon as we had the opportunity to to pick one up, we thought for a reasonable price, we wanted to do that without him knowing. So. As I started getting back into looking at the mantles and, and how much they were, I was like, God, I should have bought this thing 10 years ago. I could have saved a ton of money. Because, man, have they exponentially grown in price over the last few years. So just crazy how much that card's gone up. So so we just started looking, and, and uh, I was patient. I probably waited well, six or nine months just kind of looking, waiting for the right one, waiting for the right look. Something else that I'm not is a, is a graded card collector. Um, but obviously, I knew I wanted to buy a graded version uh, just to make sure it was authentic and and all that good stuff. So when the right deal popped up, we we jumped on it and off we went.
0: I think that is uh, some key points there. One, the fact that you're patient, obviously, that can be tough for a lot of people to do. Um, yes, it can. Once you make up your mind that you're going to do something, it's hard to just go off and not just do it immediately or think that... You always have more opportunities. So, that's certainly obviously a great strategy, specifically when you follow through. And then you brought up the point about buying it, encapsulate it, grade it. I do think that's the way to go with high priced cards, specifically vintage stuff, due to the fact that, you know, it's so prevalent for cards to be trimmed or altered, all those issues, obviously, forgeries as well. So,. I think that was probably a pretty wise move, and at this point, I would think most of the old-school man have been uh, or will be at some point graded, if for no reason other than to, like you said, have it authenticated to make sure right. you know what you're getting. If you're going to yeah. pour a good amount of money into something, you certainly want to make sure that it is the real deal and that it hasn't been messed with in any any way.
1: Yeah, you know, and it tears my <laughs> it tears my heart up to leave it graded. And
0: I've talked to my, my wife a couple times about breaking
1: it out of that holder, and she just goes into full blown panic mode. So every other card I've ever gotten that's graded. I've I've broken out, including some some Jim Mint tens I've gotten over the years. I crack them out because I'm just I'm just a raw card guy. But for now, anyway, I don't know if that'll change. But for now, anyway, the the mantle stays safe in its PSA slab.
0: There you go. <laughs> But at least you have, with the ones you've purchased, you have that, you know what they are and you have that peace of mind. Speaking about that YouTube video, I will certainly post a link to that down below on the YouTube version of this podcast. For those listening on SoundCloud or via iTunes or any of the other services, possibly Google Play, head over to YouTube, search Passion for Cards, and check out the video with his mantle. It is a great I think it's like 10 or 12 minutes long you give some background on it you give a little story and then you have the recorded version of your father looking for his uh part to a, I guess it was to a vehicle and uh you know he slowly realizes it's not going to be that part and i think his reaction was very similar to what my dad's would be like i hope you didn't pay an arm and a leg That that cracked me up because that was just so what i would what i would expect if i were uh involved in that same situation same exact reaction
1: yeah it was so cool and, and at one point you know if if you do end up watching the video when he when he finally realizes what he is he's just you know for about three or four seconds he's just kind of speechless i think that's the part that that catches me the most is as the is the coolest part of the video because i knew that a i I'd obviously surprised him even though we've been talking about it i'd surprised him that i'd actually gotten one and b i could just tell that you know he was so overjoyed to to be able to hold it in his hands and and touch it and feel it. And I I think it kind of brought him back to his childhood, if not just for a brief moment, you know, where he can kind of think back and, and remember that having that and, you know, kind of what he did back in the day. So it was just, it was a cool experience, really cool experience.
0: Well, I think you made the right move jumping on that card because one, you got that moment right there that you'll remember for the rest of your life. You gave him some happiness, you know, like you said, just, that momentary going back and going back in time and probably all the thoughts going through his head as he's looking at that card, all that alone is probably worth it. And then, of course, you have just an epic piece of your collection that, to me, I don't see anything but you know that slope moving up towards the future. So it's certainly you can also look in it, look at it from that point of view as an investor. What's the worst case? It's going to happen. You decide to sell it and get your money back.
1: Yep, and that was that was definitely a consideration. You know, we we figured that, and again, probably why we bought it. Another reason we bought it graded was, you know, obviously situations and financial financial situations can change in an instant. If I did have to unload it for whatever reason to to take care of my family, I certainly I wouldn't hesitate, and I'd be able to get a you know a good piece of money for that, and and be able to to support the cause. So. But hopefully that won't ever happen. We'll, we'll keep it in the collection forever and, and figure out where to uh, where to pass it down to as I continue to grow older and, and stupider.
0: <laughs> it's definitely, uh, it's just a, such a cool card. And congratulations on the epic addition to the collection.
1: I appreciate it, my man. Thank you very much.
0: So I want to talk a little bit about your YouTube channel. We'll chat about that for a few minutes before we get into some other aspects of the hobby. I don't know exactly when you join the YouTube community. For those who don't know, there's definitely an an awesome community, a very wide community, all versions of the hobby over there on YouTube. Those listening on YouTube, I'm sure you're well aware of it because you're pro- most likely part of it. And there's people on there who just watch content. There's people who consume the content. There's people who make content. And it's anything from collecting autographs through the mail to grading cards to opening wax to collecting sets, vintage, modern, pre-war. It's everything. So what uh, what drew you to uh, getting involved in YouTube, not just watching, but actually being involved in that community?
1: So I think like a lot of people, you know, and I hear the answer to this question is, is similar for a lot of people. You know, I, I started watching videos and probably watched them for – Got six months to a year, just watching the content and you know getting really excited about you know seeing people opening some of the newer products so I can kind of get a look at it and uh, kind of see how boxes were set up and, and then just watching people's vintage collections and so after that that kind of that time period I was like you know I've I've been doing this since the late 70s I feel like I, I've amassed a you know a nice collection of tops base you know, mostly is what I do and. I was like, you know, I really don't have anybody here locally. I got one guy I work with that's a collector, and, and we're able to talk periodically when we see each other, which is maybe once a month or so, but I really didn't have anybody to share the hobby with. I don't have any children. Uh, my wife does like to open the packs with me, but after that, she's pretty much done with it. She doesn't she want to be involved anymore, so I was like, no, this, this would give me a, good, a nice outlet to, to be able to show pieces of my collection and and hopefully have, you know, a handful of folks catch on and like it and maybe develop some relationships. And, and even though they're not here locally, maybe find a couple of guys that I could, you know, talk to about the hobby from time to time and pass ideas off of. And that's really was my kind of my goal from the beginning. And, and quite honestly, that's really exactly what happened. You know, there's a handful of guys that just like I'm sure you have that, you know, we text or call or we talk about baseball or cards or, hey, I'm thinking about getting this. Think about getting that. What do you think? So it's really turned into a really cool way just to be able to socialize with folks that have similar interests. And, and even though you don't collect the same thing like you talked about initially, you know, there's so many different ways to, to collect and and, uh, and not just cards, but memorabilia and autographs and all that stuff. So cool. so. Just to be able to talk to folks that are kind of like-minded about, you know, collecting something has really been a cool experience and, and a fun journey.
0: Yeah, and again, there's a lot of aspects to it. There's the social aspect where you actually meet other people and build real relationships, something that you might not necessarily expect to early on. And then, you know, there's just so much that you can learn. I mean, you learn about different things. I absorb information from different people's videos all the time. And it can be from other sports. It can be from just older products, a product I missed, maybe a prospect, people to look out for, even just ideas, influences. You see people are collecting one thing and you think, you know what, I could probably do something with that to enhance my personal collection. So there's certainly uh, a lot of benefits to me involved in YouTube and watching stuff, getting information. And it's, it's definitely been beneficial for me as a collector. And it sounds like it's been the same for you
1: yeah man there's so many folks that do like you talked about you know the i'm not a prospector guy you know i get some of that stuff just by opening a wax but there's so many folks that do prospect videos about the guys that are coming up who's hot this year who's going to be hot in a couple years and and like you said there's so many releases of product and even though i'm i'm kind of focused by just dealing with tops i mean even tops is releasing god knows how many different products and sets every year so you, know, you might catch a video of, of something that's come out that you were like completely unaware of. Like, oh man, I'm glad that guy showed that video so I can go look at it and see if it's something I want to add to the collection or something I want to pass on. And so, yeah, there's and there's a ton of guys in this hobby collecting for a long time that I feel like just have so much more knowledge about me, more knowledge than me about different aspects of it, whether it be the investment aspect of it or something as simple as how they store their cards. You know, maybe you might get ideas about that. So, if you're looking for ideas and, and knowledge about the hobby it's out there you just got to find it
0: so you mentioned your tops collector baseball collector kind of exclusively right just baseball
1: yeah i collected uh baseball and football as a kid but quickly realized it was going to be tough to try to do both so i bailed out on on football and i just do baseball i do do some eagles team sets and some Eagles stuff um a little bit every year but primarily it's baseball
0: and uh any specific uh products that come out every year that you look forward to any like specific (laughs) tops products or do you just kind of like it all? I
1: I collect most of it. I stay away from the, um, I stay away from the high end stuff because, because I am a set builder. So like, for example, when, when, uh, tops five star came out in 2012, I jumped on board mainly because it had a hundred card base set where those cards were all numbered to 75. And I was like, okay, there's a, there's a base, set of tops i need to go get so i collected those five star sets in 2012 13 and 14 and then they stopped and consequently i stopped so if it doesn't have a you know if it's just a hit product where everything you open is an autograph or a relic or a parallel or as much as i like those cards and and i think a lot of them are are very um appealing to the eye i stay away from them because i'm i'm wired to be a guy that finishes a set you know if it's a 75 card set like inception and I do buy Inception because there there is a base set with Inception. So, and I like the hits, you know, just like everybody does. But when I buy Inception, my goal is to get as many of the base cards as I can out of a case, and then I got to go hunt the rest of them down because I'm just wired to be that guy that until that last card drops into that binder or or that storage, whatever it happens to be, and that sets complete, man. I just don't sleep,
0: <laughs> restless until the set's complete. Oh yeah. So that goes on to the next topic about building sets. I feel like the art of building sets has kind of taken a fall as the hobbies evolved over the years. It used to be in the 80s and even into the 90s. Everyone collected sets. Then with the evolution of inserts and then some school (laughs) – after that you had – all the hits and autographs and relics and all that stuff. I mean, the focus in the hobbies really push towards those big hit cards and less so a little bit away from base. I mean, a lot of people just like to collect the rookies or collect their favorite teams. That's not the case with you though. You just continue to collect sets and not just collect sets. You like to build sets and uh, you do it the old school way.
1: Yeah. And and, uh, getting back to my dad, you know, that's just kind of growing up in the hobby. That's kind of, what he taught me, you know, from early on, we've, we've kind of done this together and, and decided, you know, what products we were going to buy and how we were going to store them and how we were going to organize them. And that's something else I do that's probably very unique than most folks. And, and I can get into that. it. But from the late 70s, when I kind of remember starting all the way through till today, I mean, I buy boxes and I rip packs and I build sets. I got a closet over here to my right. Full of doubles because obviously you get a you, know, you get a ton of doubles and triples and so I've got all that here but yeah I mean I you know if I'm kind of like Pepino said the and the other day in his video when he got that 707 Steve Jelts it was like the happiest day of his life and probably 99 percent of the people on YouTube really wouldn't care about a 1989 707 Steve Jelts but you know when he's talking about that I'm like I completely understand what he's talking about I mean, that Steve Jelts card to him was was just as Beautiful and it's fantastic at getting a you know a 2018 trout or a two whatever it might be. So that's that's where my passion lies.
0: Yeah, set building is definitely cool. It's something that I've personally gotten away from. I don't I don't do a lot of sets anymore. I remember doing them as a kid. Uh, I did finally finish up my Philly set. Uh, my ultimate tops team set 1951 through the current releases of 2018 and when update comes out I'll do that and when 19 comes out but the individual year sets I usually at this point I just I crack the stuff open I kind of go through and I'll pick out like I'll fill up a few binder pages just with random players teams or cards that I think are cool but I've gotten away from sets but it certainly is an awesome way to collect and I guess if I had more space, I probably would love to have like every every tops team every tops like full set in a binder. I think would be epic from like the first year. I think that would be amazing. Um, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's possible to do uh, binders of even every release that comes out in a year at this point. With like you said earlier, there's got to be like 30, 40 releases from tops. It seems.
1: Yeah, and, and and bringing up space. I mean, space is obviously a, a big concern. Um, You've got to have places to put it. So, one of the things that I do, and I've, you know, it's funny because when I first started the YouTube channel, I think it was back in March, maybe March or April of this year is when I kind of made my first video. My goal was to show one of my binders, maybe one binder a week, just to kind of show the cards and, and how I collect. And six months, seven months later, I haven't showed a single binder video. So, I'm still sitting on all these binders trying to figure out how I'm going to get them out of the community. So, I mean, I've got probably, 150 to 175 four-inch binders filled with all these sets. But what I do, and again, in working with my dad back in the day, I actually collect my sets alphabetically by player. And the reason I do that is I really like to track the career of that player kind of through being traded or, you know, different positions or whatever it might be. You know, So I don't have all my 1989 tops in one binder. What I have is a binder of, you know, a, all my players that end in A and I have all the Hank Aaron's together, all the, you know, whatever it might be. I have those players together so I can go in there and I can see, OK, here's his rookie card three years into his career. He got traded to Minnesota two years later he was out of the league for a year you know you'll see instances where guys were as a prospect they had a card in say 2004 and then you'll go six seven eight nine years you'll have nothing and all of a sudden you'll open a 2015 product and here comes this guy again with a base card and you, you know, i go to the binder and i'm like oh man that's crazy this guy's you know you think he's done but you know he's been in the minor leagues batting around for seven eight years and all of a sudden he's back up you know getting a chance to play so that's kind of been our philosophy, and and that's what we've always done. So we store them alphabetically, and and uh, which takes up even more space because you know I got a lot of empty holes in those binder sheets. But that's just kind of how again how I've done it since since I started back in the late seventies, and that's still how I do it today.
0: Seems like a lot more work too.
1: It is a lot more work. Let me tell you something. And every time my dad's in town, I have him sorting cards because, man, it's, it's hard to stay on top of.
0: I feel like I now understand even more so why your wife likes to bust the packs and then kind of take off.
1: Yeah, she's done. You know, I always try to get her to, to uh, once we're done busting, to sort and, and help. But no, she wants no part of it. She enjoys the the thrill of cracking those packs and, and seeing what's in there. And then I don't see her again for a couple of days.
0: So when you're in the process of building a set, do you... Do you sort them numerically first, or do you pr- just print off a checklist and go through and just kind of cross them off so you, you know you have them before you start uh, the process of the alphabetizing?
1: So just to, you know to add more work to myself, what I really like to do is, is sort them numerically first for a couple reasons. Number one, like you said, the, to verify that I do have the base set or or figure out which ones I need, and B, um, before they go in the binders, I actually have an online through Beckett. They have a, a feature called Organize, and I actually go on Beckett and I enter those cards into my inventory um, so I have that readily available as far as what I have. And then once that's done, then I get to sorting alphabetically and putting them in the binder.
0: You certainly do love to work. There's no
1: doubt about that. <laughs> that's why when I tell you on the weekends, I'm up till God knows whatever time. That's what I'm doing, man. I'm in here watching a game or something on TV and just kind of casually sorting through the cards, chipping away at it.
0: That's a great part about this hobby, though. It's it's something to do. It's something to look forward to. It's something to have fun with. And then you can kind of collect however you want to collect. That's why it's your PC. It's your personal collection. So if you want to sort cards numerically, you do it numerically. If you want to alphabetize them, you alphabetize them. If you want to get them graded, you grade them. If you want to get them autographed, you get them autographed. There's so many ways yep. to collect. There's really no right way. There's no wrong way. We all Absolutely. we all have our ways of collecting. We all have things we enjoy, and it's just uh, it's a lot of fun to collect. It's it's something that you can share with friends and family, and it's generational too. And I think that's why baseball, even though baseball may have its issues in terms of overall popularity right now, you know, in the pop culture, if you want to put it that way, I, I think it's still the strongest in the hobby. Uh, I think it's the strongest because of the generations fathers sharing it with sons and grandfathers sharing it with grandsons and all of that. I really think that's, uh, that's pretty big. I think that's a big reason why uh, the baseball portion of this hobby is continued strong. I mean, there's great international markets with basketball and some of the other products, but there's just something special about baseball cards and everyone when they're involved in card collecting seems to love to generalize it as baseball cards. So, I think it's uh an excellent hobby.
1: Yep, I would agree and then god it's just you know, it's been so much fun over the years and it's fun to like I said, to, to see what other people do and, and my father and I are I would as he gets older and I get older, I'm currently working on the nineteen sixty six tops is kinda of where I'm at. I'm missing about thirty or forty cards and, and we're having a conversation last time he was in town about kinda of where do we go from here, you know, do I continue my lifelong passion of, you know, just kind of what I've been doing is one sixty six complete back to 65. And, you know, do I continue heading down that road or do I try to get more focused? Like I've done recently buying the mantles and, and some of the Yogi Beras and Phil Rizzuto's I've been buying for, for him as, as a Yankee fan. And so I think, you know, that's the other, kind of the other thing about the hobby is, you know, you can start here and you can finish somewhere else and, uh, and you can enjoy both aspects equally. And, and, uh, and you can change your your taste kind of as the as the cards change, and like you said, it's it's also cool. I mean, whatever you decide to do, and however you decide to go about it, I mean, it's like you said, it's your PC, and it's and it's just a fun way to stay engaged with the with the game.
0: Yeah, and that's the other kind of just another layer to it is you know following the career of these players and how teams evolved and evolve and the cards how they evolve I, th- I think it's all neat like i love vintage cards but i love modern cards i really i just find it fun to see how these uh how the players teams and the designs and uh, the different aspects of the hobby the different parts of products that just continue to become popular and evolve i, I just think that's all just fascinating
1: i feel kind of bad for those folks that compartmentalize what they do you know if you're a vintage collector and that's all you collect because there's so many great beautiful high quality modern cards that come out if you're a my guy and you're missing out on the the old bent corners and creases of a you know a 1950s type card i mean i don't know how you wouldn't want to enjoy the full spectrum of the the hobby because there's a lot of beautiful cards that come out you know in 2018 i'm sure there will be moving forward where you just yeah they're just they're fun to to look at they they feel good in your hands they're glossy they're made well the photography is is out of this world and i'm like you i'm a i'm a if i had to pick one i, I would pick vintage no question but i don't think i could live without getting some modern as well
0: yeah it's tough i uh i try <laughs> i'm fairly involved in so many aspects of the hobby i don't I give it up to guys who can focus on like one specific player or one specific type of cards. I just I can't do it. I love it all. I like breaking stuff. I like buying singles. I like autos. I like grading stuff. I like raw stuff. I like binders. I love it all. it's just it's awesome. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. I've gotten away from like relic type of stuff. I'm not as much into that doesn't mean I don't appreciate some of them, but I don't like actively seek that stuff out. but you know if I get a cool one in a pack. Uh you know I keep certain ones, like the uh heritage High numbers that came out this year. I opened like yeah. six boxes with my dad, and you know I got relics, I think I got one autograph and five relics out of the six boxes. Two of the relics were J. P. Crawford and Reese Hoskins, so those to me, I was like, well, they're cool. I'll keep them in the Phillies collection for sure, absolutely. Some of the others I was like, yeah pass these along or move them. At this point, I think uh, it's time to chat a little bit about the baseball team in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, boy. You and I, both Phillies fans, so naturally, we both have Phillies in our collection. No doubt about that. I mean, I know you're a set collector. That's kind of your go-to type of thing. But I've seen some of your uh, Phillies cards in different areas of your collection. A lot of awesome stuff. What a... do you ever seek out, like, Philly's stuff, like buying singles? Or do you just kind of collect them through whatever you get uh, when when breaking breaking wax?
1: So most of my Philly's PC would be, you know, as a result of just being a set collector and obviously getting the one for the set. But I have branched out from time to time for certain players and uh, and gone after their competition. It probably would be um, everybody's favorite Philly, Mike Schmidt. You know, as a kid, he was really the reason I got into the one of the reasons I got into the hobby and, and one of the first cards I can remember really wanting and, and trying to go after was the 73 um, rookie card. And so over the years, I actually branched out with Schmidt um, into other brands, which I don't do. And so I've got some Fleer, some Donruss, some store Upper Deck, you know, those type of cards from Schmidt, hash cards, autograph cards. Um so he's probably been the one Philly that that I chased um, more so than than I would normally. And then as I do vintage stuff, you know, I always probably go after the Phillies first. So if I'm doing vintage, you know, I'll chase the Richie Ashburns and the Robin Roberts and cars like that and get them first before I probably would anything else. Um, so I definitely, you know, I definitely PC the Phillies, probably not as much as, as most, um, just because I am obviously a select collector and I'm trying to get them all, but I do have a uh, you know a couple sides. One of the one of the ones I I did that with and actually got burned on was Dominic Brown when when he came up. I was all over Dominic Brown and I tried to get all kinds of his cards and well, that didn't work out too well.
0: <laughs> yeah, didn't work. I out. thought he
1: was I thought he was going to be the man, but
0: didn't work out as well as either of us would like, or I think the <laughs> Phillies organization just that highly touted prospect actually above Mike Trout on the prospects list. They wouldn't trade him for Roy Halliday. He had that like monster month and that solid first half and then just yep. went downhill and at one point I thought I heard he was like pitching in the Rockies organization or something crazy. But I don't wow. I, mean, I don't think that even worked out. So I'm oh, not sure yeah. if he's even in Pro Ball right now. If he might be trying to hang on with an independent team, but he really just Kind of went went off the rails really quickly.
1: Yeah, he did, and, and uh, but it was a shame because, like I said, I really really thought he was going to be good. So, yeah. and then you know some of the I guess it's it's been kind of nice here recently because you can get. Oh, you know, over the last few years, obviously they've not been uh, a very good team. So, you know, the JP Crawfords, the Roman Quins, the Dylan Cousins, the cars like that, you can actually get. You know, for a pretty reasonable price, the autographs and stuff. So I've I've picked up some of them from time to time as I'm scrolling around and I find them reasonably priced. I'll grab them and, and throw them in the collection. So I do a little Phillies pc in, but, but probably not as, as much as, as somebody like me might do.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things I'll be looking. Like, I collect beyond just Phillies, but I definitely, like you, I'll focus on the Phillies from time to time. If I'm starting a project, I'm like, oh, let's go find the Phillies first. To me, it's always fun to go out there and, you know, whether it's the old cards or the new cards, it's just fun to go out there and uh, add some to the collection. And then I could just go back and look at them. And since I grew up watching the Phillies, you know, I start, especially when it's the guys you saw play. I mean, I love the historical guys, too, because I'll remember seeing highlights of them and stories about them and all that. But you can go back to a random, like, 1994 Topps card and you're like... Hey, it's Doug Jones. He was oh, a yeah. representative in the All-Star game one year. I think he got the win he got the win in the All-Star game. Different stuff like that and like as a kid I like loved when the Phillies got Dale Murphy. I thought it was like the greatest oh, yeah. thing in the world. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome." I mean, I was like probably like 11 or 12 years old back then, so didn't realize it wasn't going to solve all their problems of the early 1990s, but it was it was fun to watch for a few years.
1: Absolutely, and you get the you know you go back to the old '93 team, and that was a fun team to collect, and with Dutch and Lenny, and even though Mitch obviously did what he did, it was still a. I can vividly remember that year just watching those games and being so excited, and 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 just man, just hoping they would obviously pull that off. And then, of course, I saw something today about our boy Lenny's back in trouble again. So
0: that's not good. I was going to say I can't be too surprised, but. (laughs) <laughs> that uh, that '93 team that was that might be the most fun team in the history of sports. Like that was just so unexpected, and just the way they did it. it I honestly, I think one of the greatest crimes is, ESPN. Their thirty for thirty series. Like, how have they not done something on the 1993 Phillies? They're probably. They. I mean, granted, we're both Phillies fans, but like, I still hear other people talk about them like the, they seem to be the most popular like team that didn't win a championship you know or at least one of them it's just that team was they were projected to be a sixth place seventh place team whatever it was i think one prediction had them finishing behind the marlins like who were an expansion team at the time like, their second or whatever it was and like you look back at the team and they they're certainly not the roster you would expect to go out and win a world series but they had a lot of guys who had all-star seasons throughout their career it was just the perfect the team chemistry the way they managed to stay healthy the way they kind of united they things just worked out they had platoons in the corner outfield positions that i mean produced really well dykstra had an mvp caliber season can easily make a case he could have won mvp that year Oh yeah. Obviously Dalton was in the prime of his career. Dave Hollins, the Crucker, guys like Mickey Mornini and Mariano Duncan, they they platoon there at second base. I think all five starters won double digit games. The bullpen was solid. That was uh, a hell of a fun team and I can relate that to card collecting because I will go back and like when I see autographs, different products that come out, if they have a Philly that was in the night i mean i search out Phillies stuff anyway but when i see like the 93 phillies some of the archive signature series products i'll see like Kruk was in at the one year and dykstra and dalton i'll always search them out because that 93 team definitely has a special place for me and i'm sure for you as well based on your description of how much fun you had uh, watching them back then
1: and i think you nailed it man the word fun like that team just didn't seem to care about anything other than going out and having a good time and playing baseball. Like it was almost like an old school team you'd find out almost like in a scene you know, of the Sandlot. They were just out there having a good time playing baseball and man, they just caught fire. And my man, we reinvigorated the career of my man, Jim Eisenreich. You remember Jim Eisenreich?
0: Oh, yeah. Jimmy what Eisenhower. a year he
1: had that year. God, man, what a hitter he was that year.
0: But, uh, yeah, Jim Eisenreich. <laughs> that, t- that team's great. And there's just so great many moments. Team. You go on YouTube and start searching 93 Phillies. You have the Mitch Williams uh, walk-off single in game two of a doubleheader at like 4.14 a.m. Eastern yep. Standard Time, which, by the way, I was in, I think, grade school back then. And I remember waking up at like 3.45 in the morning. And I woke up and I put on my little radio I had – just to try and listen and be like, oh, did they win? And all of a sudden, I'm flipping through and I'm like, this game sounds like it's live. And I laid there. Are you kidding I, me? That's I laid, great, man. I laid there awesome. and listened to like the last 15, 20 minutes of the game. Mitch Williams with the walk-off <laughs> single. Like, they would never allow something. There's no way a baseball game would end at that time in the morning now. I think that game two started at like after midnight on the East Coast. It was crazy.
1: Yeah, what a great memory that is for you, man. That's cool. And then you had uh, a
0: cool. Mariano Duncan grand slam off of. Lee Smith, I remember Milt Thompson robbing a home run over the fence yeah, in uh, yeah. San Diego. And that's just the regular season. Then you had the, uh, you know, the playoff push and the the upset win against the uh, Atlanta Braves at that point because the Braves were like a 100-win team. I think they won like 104 was. games or something. Phillies won like 97 if I remember.
1: Braves were stacked that year, man. There was no way we should have beat them.
0: But we did and it was glorious. <laughs> And then Joe Carter came.
1: Yeah, then it all ended abruptly.
0: So, uh, what was what was your reaction when the uh, Joe Carter uh, the Joe Carter incident happened?
1: I can tell you, man, I remember it so vividly. I'm originally actually originally from New York, so I was I was uh, I graduated from college in May of '93, and I was working at a small little town at a a, uh, grocery store, just kind of trying to find my way and. I remember I had a little one-bedroom apartment by myself, and a couple of buddies had come over to kind of watch the game. And we're sitting there, and I'm sitting in a chair, and then the play happened. And I just remember literally like falling out of the chair and just like breaking into tears, just being so upset that it all came down that that fast. I mean, it's funny. I'm not. I'm usually not an emotional guy, but when it comes to the Phillies or the Eagles or even the Flyers and the Sixers, man, like when, good or bad, when stuff like that happens, man, it just it just chokes me up.
0: Yeah, ninety three is just sad ending. But at this point, over it now. At the time, it took a while. I was definitely in tears, no doubt about that, when that happened. Cause you were definitely there, more 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 were, good
1: memories than bad.
0: Oh yeah, you were hoping for uh for that game seven and yeah. hoping it worked out. They had two tough losses in that series. The one at home where they lost fifteen fourteen. That was yeah. Uh, that was obviously a bad one as well, but hey, it was a hell of a ride, a hell of a story, hell of a season for sure, and it's uh, etched in etched in fans' minds forever. And now we can collect baseball cards of those players to uh, <laughs> reminisce about it.
1: Oh yeah, no doubt.
0: So, uh, any other uh, any other thoughts on the Phillies here? I know we're trying to keep it to a hobby talk, but might as well talk about the Phillies for a brief moment. Obviously, this year they uh, they made strides compared to recent years. Uh, things things were kind of rough towards the end. They didn't work out the way we'd like, but I think the team is still headed in a good direction. Sounds like they should have uh, some money to spend in free agency. Any uh, any hopes for the off season?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm very encouraged and very excited. Obviously, about the year, you know, and you talked about you know it was a rough finish, and, and certainly it was, but. You know, we got to remember, too, you know, the age of this roster is still very, very young. So these kids are still, you know, a lot of them are still cutting their teeth and, and you know, with with hard work and, and dedication. And obviously, their skills will continue to, to get better. Uh, you keep this team together, the, the nucleus together, I, I think they got a chance to, over the next, you know, four or five, six years to do something special. And, you know, you add a nice piece or two in the off season, maybe a another strong starting pitcher. And then, you know, there's obviously there's talk about Machado, there's talk about Harper, you know, how good they fit. But, um, you know, you had a couple strong pieces in the offseason and keep the team chemistry and camaraderie kind of where it is. And, and I think you're looking at a team that it could kind of be exciting. So, again, you know, the young guys as they come up, you know, I kind of see that going through the, you know, potentially going through the, the Jimmy Chase-Ryan phase when they came up and, and, you know, they kind of went through their bumps and bruises and, and kind of pulled it all together with a couple of, a nice acquisition, you know this team, but to me, could potentially follow in those footsteps with the right, you know, you don't want to do anything crazy to me in the off season. You want to look at maybe a couple of players, but you want to keep that nucleus together and and see if these guys can spark that magic like the like the '08 team did.
0: Well, let's certainly hope it, they do. That would be epic and awesome, and hopefully we can celebrate, you know, something similar in the next few years. But I'm certainly looking forward to the off season. I'm looking forward to. Next baseball season as well. Fired up for the postseason, but always looking towards uh, some new, some more Phillies baseball. Have you had a chance to see the design for 2019 Topps Baseball yet? I know they released it online, social media, uh, a few weeks ago. I'm not sure if you had a chance to check it out.
1: I don't think I've seen it yet, no.
0: Yeah, I was just wondering what your thoughts were. They're uh, they're doing something different again. They're doing some, some half-border action. Instead of, uh, you know, they've gone away from borders in recent years, and I'm all about the evolution and the change of cards. And I get things are going to change, but I'm definitely happy when they uh, do some of the classic stuff as well. So as a set collector, I was just wondering, you know, what your thoughts were on the look for 2019 tops as they try and merge kind of old school cards with new school cards with, Borders on half the card.
1: So I hadn't seen it, but I actually just was able to pull it up here. So I'm looking at it, looking at an Aaron Judge here for the first time, and uh, my initial kind of gut feeling is that it looks pretty good. There's a looks like they got some shade, like you said, they got the half border. There's, of course I don't know if the team colors will be those border colors or if they'll all be the same, but if they do the team colors on the border, that'll be that'll be pretty slick. The the names in a pretty good spot. They got some. Almost like some shadowing effects. Uh, Yeah, I'd say my initial initial impression is it
0: looks pretty good. Well, it's not too far in the future where we can uh, see them in our hands. I'm assuming they probably come out in like early February, so we'll have something else to look forward to. But Matt, it was great chatting with you. I appreciate you jumping on the show. You have uh, an impressive collection, a fun YouTube channel, and... A super amazing, awesome, incredible, great, and a whole bunch of other descriptive words um, <laughs> in that edition in the nineteen fifty-two Mickey Mantle card. So it, it was amazing to see to see that card added to your collection. But the way you did it, the way you showed and shared that moment with your father was uh, was epic. It was unbelievable. It was awesome.
1: Well, I appreciate the kind words, my friend, and and uh. You know, when you first first contacted me to do this, I was honestly quite humbled by the fact that you would pick pick me and and uh, thought I had enough to bring to the table to to do a podcast like this. I was I'm pretty new in the the social part of it, so uh, it's been an absolute blast, man. You're you're one of the first few guys I watched when I got onto YouTube, and and I admire you as a collector. You know, you you seem to be one of the things I like about you. You seem to be very humble about the hobby. You know, you talk about what you like, but you're not trying to push, you know, certain collections or ways to collect or this guy should do this. You know, you just you, you seem to encourage everybody to kind of do their own thing and, and tell them how cool that is. And I really like that about you. So I thank you for having me. And uh, anytime you want to chat about the hobby, man, I would love to do it again.
0: Sounds great. Definitely look forward to that again in the future. Thank everyone for listening. Check out Matt Passion for Cards over on YouTube. If you guys enjoyed the show, if you enjoy the podcast, hit the like button wherever you are. If you're on iTunes or if you're on SoundCloud or here on YouTube, subscribe, check it out, share it, share the hobby, enjoy the hobby, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Have a great one.